Pastor Andrew. Uh, it's a pleasure to have you here this afternoon. I'm excited. I have to say, I know I say it each week, but I truly am excited about uh, part two, uh, picking up where we left off last week's uh, message. Last week, we talked about ongoing devotion. We looked at the early church, how they were really set apart. They were like this launch pad of witness. And they're bursting out on the scene. The Holy Spirit has come upon them to empower them to witness. And our point last week was, see to it that you live it. See to it that you live. And it's kind of going to reside again this afternoon. But just for a little recap, we looked at how the early church was fervent in enriching one another as they devote themselves to the apostles' teachings, to prayer, to fellowship, and to the breaking of bread. And we looked at how this fervor was something that was business as usual. You gotta love people that are genuine, right? I mean, I'm definitely attracted to people, understand me in the right way, attracted to people who are genuine in the pursuit of life and in most especially the pursuit of all things God. And so the community took notice of the early church, and it says in Acts chapter 2, verse 46, every day they devote themselves to this, and 47, praising God and enjoying the favor of all people, every day the Lord added to their number those who were being saved. And so we looked at this awesome reality that the Lord is doing this. He's adding to their number. It's not in their back pocket. It's not that their tools, their means, how they're bringing this forth. It's solely the work of the Lord, but he's so wonderful in bringing them along for the ride, if you will. Like a passenger in this you know, train or whatever, he's bringing them along for the ride. And so today's message is this. This is our life. This is our life. Are you who you want to be? This is our life. Are you who you want to be? There's a song by a band called Switchfoot. I remember this song quite well when I was 18 going into Bible school first year. And the song, the lyrics are very clear. This is your life. Are you who you want to be? And I have to say, as I was reading through Acts chapter 2, and that's uh, chapter 3, sorry, that's where we're heading today. I caught myself asking that question, reminiscing, you know, Andrew, this life, the life you're living, is it who you want to be? It's a good question to ask ourselves because as we look at the early church, we're seeing that the expression of faith in the day in and day out was important. So much so that they devoted themselves to this, whether it was at home or in the temple. It was a way of life for them. So just think of those words, a way of life. This is your life. Are you who you want to be? Okay, so let's go to Acts chapter 3. We're going to see this incredible story. I remember the first time I ever read this story. I remember my dad bought me a Bible when I was very young. And he encouraged me to start in the book of Luke and then work through to Acts. And I remember when I got to this chapter, I thought, this is crazy. This is amazing. Like, this actually happened? A lame man was able to walk again? Let's check this out. So Acts chapter 3. Now Peter and John were going up to the temple for the time of prayer at 3 in the afternoon. A man was lame from birth, was being carried there. He was placed each day at the temple called Beautiful, or the gate called Beautiful, so that he could beg from those entering the temple. 
When he saw Peter and John about to enter the temple, he asked for money. Peter, along with John, looked straight at him and said, look at us. So he turned to them, expecting to get something from them. But Peter said, I don't have silver or gold, but what I do have, I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, get up and walk. Then taking him by the right hand, he raised him up, and at once his feet and ankles became strong. So he jumped up and started to walk, and he entered the temple with them, walking, leaping, and praising God. All the people saw him walking and praising God, and they recognized that he was the one who used to sit. Think of that word, used to. Used to sit and beg at the beautiful gate of the temple, so they were filled with awe and astonishment at what had happened to him. This is an incredible story. He used to be. He used to be. We're going to, I believe here, be stirring faith that the way we once were doesn't have to be the ongoing story. That God's going to change us. He's going to continue to transform us. Here this man has been transformed. He was once crippled, but now he can walk. That was his predicament since birth. But his whole world was flipped upside down in a good way. And so we see here, read the beginning of chapter 3, they're on the way to the temple. They're on their way to the temple because this was the way of life. The Jews would meet at the temple because it's the place where God said, I will meet you there on the Ark of the Covenant in the temple between the cherubim of the angels. Look at Luke chapter 24, verse 53. It says this, and they were continually in the temple praising God. Continually in the temple praising God. So why were they there? You know, we talk about it in our own times of worship. Graham, you'd probably say, well, we're here to worship the King of Kings. Amen, we are. Just like the people in the early church, they're coming to the temple to exercise their devotion and worship to God. Sometimes the word exercise can kind of bring a negative connotation, like, oh no, it's going to take some work. But they came there with this fervent devotion to worship God by offering different kinds of offerings and sacrifice. They were called grain offerings animal sacrifices, wave offerings, and such. And if you're wondering what each one of those are, we don't have enough time to unpack it all, you can go to Leviticus chapter 1, verses, uh, or chapters 1 through 8. And so we see that they're going there, they're being faithful, the word of God has uh, called them to do that. And so they're meeting, Peter and John are on their way, but there's another reason why people gathered in the temple to worship. There was a whole other reason. The temple was this epicenter, this hub of their life. Because they were waiting for the one who brings life to come into their midst. Check this out. Malachi, the prophet, said this, as recorded in chapter 3, verse 1. See, I'm going to send my messenger, and he will clear the way before me. Then the Lord you seek will suddenly come to his temple, the messenger of the covenant you delight in. See, he is coming, says the Lord of armies. And the word Lord there is capital Lord, which means Yahweh. And so here we see that they're waiting. And anyone that had their eyes, their ears open to hear the words as they devote themselves to the teaching, they would begin to understand, my goodness, this one that we've been waiting for to come to the temple is none other than the risen Christ. 
because he's the anointed Messiah. Wait a second. He's the messenger who came on behalf of God to show us the way to the Father. And so it says this in Luke chapter 4, verse 16, about Jesus. It says this. He came to Nazareth where he had been brought up. As usual, he entered the synagogue on the Sabbath day, and he stood up to read. The scroll of the prophet Isaiah was given to him, and unrolling the scroll, he found the place where it was written, gotta love this, the Spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. Here we have a man begging at the gate. He's needy, he's poor, he's crippled. He says, to proclaim release to the captives and recovery of the sight to the blind and to set the oppressed free and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. To proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Look at verse 20. And he rolled up the scroll, gave it back to the attendant, sat down. And the eyes of everyone in the synagogue were fixed on him. And he began by saying to them, Today, as you listen, this scripture has been fulfilled. Today, as you listen, this scripture has been fulfilled. You gotta love the fact, fire for effect. If you weren't quite sure if this was the full reality, if the fulfillment had arrived, here we have exhibit A, a cripple, a beggar at the gate called beautiful, waiting for money, and yet the Lord doesn't disappoint. Through Peter and John, by the power of the Holy Spirit, he says, in the name of Jesus, get up and walk. Proclaiming, fulfilling what was said by Jesus Christ himself in the temple. That when you come to the temple, when you devote yourself to praise God, that he's going to meet you there. He's going to meet you where you're at. Here this beggar, this cripple is meeting him there, right where he's at. And so the apostles believed this so much that they were devoted. They were devoted. So point number one is we are couriers of God's grace. We are couriers of God's grace. When's the last time you got a package in the mail, whether it's Amazon or any of those other wonderful couriers, Intelcom, and you understand when you order something, it says sold by and fulfilled by. You know, you get excited when you're making an Amazon order. When it says sold and fulfilled by Amazon, you know it's going to arrive within a few days. But when it's sold by, you know, Larry's, you know, electronic shop, you might get it in a few weeks. It just never know. But here we see the delivery time of God is always perfect and timed to bring the greatest result according to his pleasing will. Here we see this man has been crippled from birth. He's been coming here every day. Make no mistake, this is something that he's endured for quite some time. But today was not like every other day. Today, he was going to experience the wonder-working power of Jesus in his life. And so we see in verse 1 that Peter and John, they're en route. They're en route. They're heading there for prayers, 3 p.m. And this is important because according to Jewish historians, that when they would come to meet, there were two times the Jews would come early morning in the afternoon to bring sacrifices, to bring offerings. And they would cap off the night that evening with prayer declaring, thank you, God. You're so good to us, right? And so they're coming to prayer. And so make no mistake, this, this beggar that was there, he knew what was going on. He knew what was going on. He knew that they would be there and they, they're devoted, right? And so because they're devoted, one of the key things the Jewish faith was acts of charity, 
acts of charity. If you were devoted, you better be a charitable person. And so in a way, he's kind of playing on them a little bit. Like, I know what you believe. As you're coming to this temple, I'm going to be the, the benefactor. Or I'm going to benefit from this devotion that you have. But let's just take a step back for a minute. How many like flashbacks? Sometimes we have these good memories. Well, let's go a flashback into scripture because we have to remember that Jesus said to wait in Jerusalem until you receive the Holy Spirit and that you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in Judea, and to the rest of the world. Check this out in Luke chapter 24. Right, He says, and look, I'm sending you with the promised or with the Holy Spirit and wait in the city until you're empowered from on high. Acts 1.8, but you'll receive power when the Holy Spirit has come on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea, and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And so you got to love that if we were to give this a movie title, this is about Peter and John beginning. It's kind of like Batman Begins. It's an origin story. Peter and John are beginning their ministry. It's just beginning. It's just starting. Here they are. They're going to the temple. They're going to the epicenter of Jerusalem. And here is this, this beggar who is there. And I couldn't help but note that you and I all have our starting points, don't we? We all have these places where we begin. Think back for a moment. Where are those places that God has called you to? Think back on the places where you've began and where he's brought you to. Where you've began and where he's bringing you to. What's your assignment? What is that that he's placed on your heart? Do we have eyes to see, to look up and see what he's doing? We all go through these chapters, or sorry, chapters and seasons in our life. But what I love that Peter says as he gives defense to a group of leaders, Jewish leaders who were upset with what had happened. He says to them, this happened in the name of Jesus. Repent Repent. That's why I believe, Carl, what you were saying today was so timely, so fitting. It says in chapter 3, verse 19, Therefore repent and turn back, so that your sins may be wiped out, that seasons of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord, and that he may send Jesus, who has been appointed for you as Messiah. Here, Peter and John has, have been dispatched as representatives, along with the apostles, to bring Jesus because they're couriers of God's grace, who is Jesus. You and I are couriers of Jesus Christ because we're united with him. We don't have to wear a, you know, a special uniform that says brought to you by, but in a way, we're, we're being dispatched, we're fulfilling the call of God on our life. It makes me think back to when I was working for a company called Medigas. And I'm not gonna lie, it was... A difficult and yet rewarding time in my life. We're looking here, 2018. Um, I mean, daily, so a little, little flashback, little or information for you. This company uh, dealed with providing uh, hospital beds, medical oxygen for those who were especially in palliative care. And so on a daily basis, I was coming into households and seeing great need. Great need, heartache, as you can imagine. At times I'd arrive and I would finish setting up one of these hospital beds and usually I could get this down to maybe 10 minutes of setting up the bed. But wouldn't you know, within the 10 minutes, I would get, the set, get it set up and then the patient would expire. 
And I'm like, oh my goodness, like just the grief on the family's face and me being like, I, I just got this set up. <laughs> I wasn't fast enough. I wasn't fast enough to provide a little bit of relief for them in that moment. They've been waiting for this bed. But there were also wonderful moments too. I remember this one time I walked into this household. I kid you not, I walk in, I'm setting up an oxygen unit and this man says to me, are you a pastor? I look at him, I'm like, am I wearing a sign? Like, you know, I'm wearing the Medigas uniform. He goes, I can, I can see the joy of the Lord all over you. And of course me, I'm there to serve him. This, this man who's dying is serving me. He's ministering to me. He's affirming, he's an awakening, bringing to recollection the call of God on my life. And we had this wonderful conversation and um, come to find out that he's a, a Catholic believer, but he believes in Jesus Christ. He says, I know where I'm going. I know where I'm going, but I still believe that he can touch me here and now. Would you pray for me? I'm like, absolutely. I believe that God can heal you right now. And so sure enough, like Peter and John, I'm praying fervently. There's no set prayer. I'm just believing Jesus, show up. <laughs> heal this man. But he wasn't. And it wasn't for a lack of faith. It wasn't for a lack of believing and trusting. We were in agreement. But he said to me as I left that house, he said, I know where I'm going. I'll see you one day. And I got to tell you, out of all those hard times, that was a good, like, bittersweet type of experience. Because you think of the family, as you're leaving the household, they come to you and they say, oh, thank you so much. Thank you for being here and bringing the equipment. And I'm thinking, I wish I didn't have to be here. I wish I'd have to be here. But this story for me was so important because it really focused me to be aware as much as possible of those who are around you. Sometimes we get so, you know, focused in um, on where we're going, the route that we're on, that we're, we don't take the time to look up and see those who are around us. But here, Peter and John, they see the man at the gate. They see the man. They don't ignore him and say, no, nope, we're late for prayer. <laughs> but they take time to minister to this man. And what we have, he says, it's not silver or gold, but what I give you, I give you in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Get up and walk. Get up and walk. And I have to say, I'm thankful. There have been times in praying with people that have had different ailments, crooked spines, issues, uh, pains in their body, gallbladder issue, you name it. Praying for these people and that they're healed. And they have, you know, doctor certified reports that, yep, this, this is something we can't explain. This did happen. You're like, praise God. So these occurrences, they do happen. That when we step out, that God does show up. But his pleasing perfect will is what's going to take precedent. And so point number two was, look up. Do you see what I see? Do you see what I see? You know, when we're on this route of life, the different things that we give our, our, uh, our hands to, the work that we do, that life happens. That life happens. We need to be open for those opportunities. Let's look at Ephesians chapter 5, verse 16, if you will. Paul says this, making the most of the time because the days are evil. So don't be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. Don't get drunk with wine, which leads to reckless living, but be filled by the Holy Spirit speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making music with your heart to the Lord, 
giving thanks always for everything to God, the Father, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another out of fear of Christ. And so you gotta appreciate that Peter and John, as they're ministering to this man, they're making the most of the opportunity, and you know what it is to God? It's melody. It's a melody to God. It's a pleasing aroma to God. Look at my children. Look how they're, they're stepping out. They're reaching out. They're ministering to this man who's been at the gate. He's been crippled for so long, but this is his day. I'm going to work through my faithful. And I know the words don't say that, but I have to believe that that's what God's doing. Why the delay? At one point, Jesus said as he was ministering, this happened, this delay, and referring to a man who was sick at the pool of Bathsheba, he says to him, this happened so that God could be glorified. So that God could be glorified. And so as we look up, let's see what we can, see how we can learn from others. We can see this beggar, he positioned himself to receive. He positioned himself to receive. How many times do we position ourselves to receive what God has for us? Just think about that for a moment. What are the things that we do to condition our heart to be receptive to what he wants to do? We can learn from the beggar. We can learn from one another. I believe that when we embrace our vulnerability, just like in that moment when I shared about Medigas, when we realize that we're truly vulnerable, that we are not infinite, that we are finite, but God is infinite, that his super can meet our natural and can do incredible things. But we have to remember that he is the source. Here again, Peter and John emphasize as they're in defense to the leaders who were up in arms over this whole ordeal. He says, listen, this wasn't us who did this. He goes, fellow Israelites, in verse 12, why are you amazed at this? Why do you stare at us as though we have made him walk by our own power or godliness? The God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God of our ancestors, has glorified his servant Jesus, whom you handed over and denied before Pilate, though he had decided to release him. You denied the holy and righteous one and asked to have a murder released to you. You killed the source of life whom God raised from the dead. We are witnesses of this. But he emphasizes here, he doesn't leave them in their dread of this realization. He brings it full circle. He says, by faith in his name, his name has made this man strong, whom you see and know. So the faith that comes through Jesus has given him this perfect health in front of all of you. Wow. God does this work, and this man at the gate, he was expecting money. That's all he was hoping for. Today would be a good day if I, you know, had X amount of dollars in my pocketbook. The silver and gold I have not, but what I give you, I give you in the name of Jesus. Just think, when we take the opportunities to look up and see and believe that God's going to work through us, we will then be able to discern the need and how God wants us to intervene in those situations. Sometimes it might be financial resource. Sometimes it may just, you know, putting a, putting a reassuring hand on someone's shoulder and saying, I'm here for you. I'm with you in this. Or let's pray together. Whatever those things might be, God is going to give you those resources. Sometimes we just think we got to throw a big check at it. We got to throw, you know, all this currency at it. But there's so much more we can do. And I think Peter and John help illustrate that for us. So takeaway number three is this. Joyful boldness. 
joyful boldness. We see here that through this miracle, it not only brought credit to who Christ is and what he promised, what was prophesied and he fulfilled it in the temple that one day. But here we see this man, his response was a joyful, resounding praise to God that would have, in a way, gotten the faces of everyone in attendance. Because maybe some had become callous in thinking, this is impossible. God doesn't do this today. In fact, there were leaders in that time called the Sadducees who didn't believe in the resurrection of the dead. These are the leaders who were up in arms about this whole encounter, this whole miraculous story. Because wait a second, if this man was raised from being a cripple to having wholeness of his legs, use of his legs, if it's in the name of Jesus, wait a second, Jesus said, I'm the resurrection and the life. Anyone who believes in me will not die. Will have everlasting life. Wait a second, if this happened in his name, surely this must be true too. No, 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 guys, we got to put a stop to this now. Because our, our whole order will become obsolete overnight. So this is what's happening. And here this guy, you got to love it, his immediate joyful praise. I was reading a commentary about this chapter. I occasionally do that from time to time. And I found it interesting. I'm not going to name the commentator's name, but he said this expression here was a little bit excessive. I, I had to read it once or twice. I'm like, Really? This was a bit excessive. And I thought, my goodness, you're missing the mark. Like the people in this story, he's joyfully praising what God has done in his life. That's going to impact our emotions. And that's why I have to admit and appreciate when people respond in worship. And I'm not trying to cast any, you know, blame at people's feet. Hear me out. Hear my heart on this. Is that when God intervenes in our life, it's okay when it hits our heartstrings, when it starts to play those chords in our life. It's okay to give him praise. Because at the end of the day, if we can give praise to God when we get the latest Apple Watch or tech or whatever it may be, I'm telling you, we can get excited for Jesus, amen? Amen, we can get excited. And Jesus said this, if there was any doubters, you know, if we have any doubters today, he said this in John chapter 14, truly I tell you, the one who believes in me will also do the works that I do, and he will do even greater works than these because I'm going to the Father. Whatever you ask in my name, I will do it so the Father may be glorified in the Son. Remember these words, as your couriers of God's grace. If you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. He didn't say, if you ask anything in my name, I might do it. If I feel like it, if I'm having a good day, if you've given the proper offerings and sacrifices, he's saying, ask anything in my name and I will do it. And the way he does preface it in verse 15, he says, if you love me, you will keep my commands and I will ask the Father and he will give you another counselor to be with you forever. He's the spirit of truth. The world is unable to receive him. That's what Carl was saying today. Carl, a lot of the words you're saying were timely. The world is unable to receive him because it doesn't see him or know him. But you do know him because he remains with you and will be in you. God loved the fact, again, with exhibit A, with the cripple, Peter and John knew who they represented. They knew who they were serving. Regardless of the crowd, regardless of the Sadducees, they knew what their mission was. And they were beginning in Jerusalem. 
And this was going to be like a wildfire. Isaiah was going to be like a tidal wave. If we can get attached to this, if we could devote ourselves to these teachings, but really see to it that we live it, my goodness, there will be a tidal wave. There will be people like in this story who were struck with awe and astonishment at what had happened. Wait a second. Wasn't that crippled, the, the guy at the gate since the time of birth? What's going on? We could say Jesus Christ did that. Jesus Christ did that. Sometimes we can condition ourselves to outthink God. Sometimes we're saying, oh, he might do this. We, we backpedal a little bit instead of living and believing that God is truly miraculous. He's truly miraculous. And so point takeaway number four here, as we're getting close to completion here, is Jesus is, ready, our way maker. Jesus is our way maker. Amen. Carl, I'm telling you, man, you're in the zone. The Holy Spirit was speaking to you. Carl and I, we didn't get together this week and say, these are the songs that you need to lead us in today. Carl, very timely. Worship team, amen. Jesus is our way maker. Let's look again just to be encouraged by the words. Peter, along with John, looked straight at him and said, look at us. So he turned to them, expecting to get something from them. But Peter said, I don't have silver or gold, but what I do have, I give you in the name of Jesus of Nazareth. Get up and walk. This hones in for us. God can do, through faith, what seems impossible. He can use all our circumstances so that Jesus is lifted up. So that Jesus is lifted up. I'm going to invite the worship team to come. And as they come, I just want to encourage us this afternoon that as we believe that we're couriers of God's grace, that he is our way maker, and as we have eyes to look up and see what he is doing, when we realize he is the source, my goodness, we're going to see God do incredible things in our midst. But let's not become disheartened. If the miracle doesn't happen in our chosen timing, right? His will is pleasing and perfect. Remember, this God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob is the same God who worked miracles through Christ. Check this out. Acts chapter 22. Is, Peter says this, fellow Israelites, listen to these words. This Jesus of Nazareth was a man attested you by God with miracles, wonders, and signs that God did among you through him, just as yourselves know. Just as you yourselves know. This story, again, affirms who Jesus is, that he truly is the way maker. And so takeaway point number five, and it's okay, it's not on the screen, is this. Use it. Use it. Use these stories. Use these opportunities as a time to evangelize. I'll tell you a word from the enemy. I've had this experience once. Is I believe he wants to, to box us in. To not use opportunities for fear that, well, what if I offend that person? If I go and pray for them and if they're not healed, well, I'm, I'm going to be really embarrassed. Or they're going to be really just struck with hurt because they weren't healed in that moment. Let's let God take care of the results. I believe that's the word from the enemy to try again, try to box us in from stepping out in faith. Let's use the opportunities to evangelize. 
Let's use those opportunities to evangelize. Because here we have, in Acts chapter 3, as I've said, exhibit A. In a court case, the prosecution or defense will use an exhibit to help explain what might be difficult to understand. Here we have this crowd, these people, they're having a hard time wrapping their head around this. And so how do we bring this to today? Think about this. At times, maybe even over dinner today, you may even have a friend, a fellow believer, who says, you know what, I don't really know if I believe that these works can happen today. There's a word called sensationalism, where we believe that the gifts have ceased, that God doesn't work the way he once worked. But I actually believe that's a lie from the enemy as well, because here we have exhibit point B. Because if God is the source of these miracles and not the apostles then it's not tied to a specific time in history. Rather, if God is the source, all he needs are people who are willing to move and walk in faith. It wasn't limited to Peter and John. That means it's for you and I. Sue, you can step out and you can reach in a person's life and minister them by the power of the Holy Spirit, amen? You can speak words of life. You can speak words of healing because you're not the source. This is brought to you, fulfilled to you by God Almighty through faith in Jesus Christ. So let's counter this reality at times of people living in the realm of denial. Let's counter those who live in the territory of even stifling the Spirit. Rather, let's be open to choose and live according to the work of the Holy Spirit to say, God, I want everything you have. I know sometimes this can sound repetitive, but it's on purpose because we need to understand this message that through Christ, there's good news for the poor. There's release for the captives, freedom for the prisoners, Here we have that man who was crippled from birth, was released from his captivity without having the use of his legs, but then he used that himself to give praise to God. God does all this on purpose so that he could be glorified. So this week, as you're walking around, as you're talking, as you're having conversations, Henry, as you're talking to people out on the streets, God bless you with Simple Street Church and what you're doing. Beware of those opportunities as you guys are already doing. Whether it's you're eating hot dogs and you're having conversations about what God is doing, take advantage of those opportunities. Take advantage of what people God has put in your life. And even if it makes you uncomfortable, he's stretching you like new wineskins. You're being expanded so you can receive more by the power of his Holy Spirit so that you can walk in power and authority so that you can truly be, as we said it again, light bearers as God's representatives to bring life, hope, and peace. Amen. So let's respond to time of worship together. Heavenly Father, Thank you, Lord, for your word. My goodness, Lord, that how you worked that miracle through Peter and John is they were faithful en route to the temple. God, I ask that you would help us to be aware of the opportunities that you put in our path, that we would make the most of those opportunities, that we would redeem the time, the times that even the enemy has stolen or taken to sidetrack people from faith in you. But God, you would open up your floodgates of heaven, Lord, to minister through us. Lord, you're the source. We don't pretend that we have it. Lord, you have it. You're the super that meets our natural. And so God, we honor you. Lord, we lift you up. Be manifest in our lives. 
Lord Jesus, we pray and declare that you would go out before us. Lord, that people would be touched by your spirit. They would be healed. They would receive the good news, the good news for the poor, for the cripple, for those who are captive to various sins, even oppressions, God. That, Lord, their countenance would change. They would experience your joy. They would give a resounding praise that you are truly good, that you are the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Lord, that you are timeless. Lord, that you are here. Lord, your signs, your wonders show us that you are living amongst us, that you have not forgotten us. Lord, that you're not sitting up in heaven and have just taken a time out from the world, but rather that you are here. You are here in this place, Lord. You are mighty to save, and we believe that you are saving people through our interactions, not by just what we're saying, God, but by your power, by your authority, as you're in inspiring us to give utterance, oh God. Have your way in our life, Lord Jesus. Have your way in our life. This is our life. We want to be like you, Jesus. We want to lift you up. We want our life to honor you, God. You are our mighty Savior and God. We give you praise. We give you praise, Jesus. We give you praise, Jesus. Come into us, place, oh God. We worship you, we worship you. I'm gonna invite you to stand and worship with us. Thank you, Jesus. If you're able, of course. Thank you, God. Thank you, Jesus. Mm, thank you, Father. You are mighty to save. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. I love what Pastor Andrew said. We are couriers of God's grace and His power. And um, God uses us, right, to minister to others. We're going to sing Mighty to Save. I love, I love the lyrics here, and especially all the chorus and the bridge to shine your light and let the whole world see. He's going to do that through us. Amen. Let's sing Mighty to Save.
God's working in this place. He's working in our hearts. Amen. It's okay to get excited. I uh, hope that you were encouraged this afternoon. Hope for days about bringing hope, instilling hope in Jesus for today and for the future. So we're glad. Thank you.